I'm going to talk just for a few minutes about the balancing act between not making a choice, facing a fear, going towards something because of indecision or yeah, just fear of facing something that you don't think you can face or obviously not when it's wanting to leave what feels familiar, even if it's not where you want to be. The balance between all those resistances, um, like how to navigate facing them while also being somewhat being sensitive to your inner landscape so you're not making things that are truly contra- making choices that are truly contrary to your intuition or that are painful rather than challenging or psychologically um, not where you psychologically stressful rather than um, relieving because you're actually facing a fear. So the idea is what is the what is the skill that needs to be developed so that a choice that you're making feels like facing a fear instead of abusing yourself in some way, which actually weakens you. So I'm gonna read a bit from this ebook that I was looking up looking at. So and it's gonna be talking about like how it's natural as humans how we make decisions based off this doesn't feel good, I want to go towards this thing that feels good. But how that's also the the root of our chainedness as human beings if we're constantly running from something to get to something else, whether that's more of an addictive behavior or it's just a perpetual chasing that no matter how much you chase, you're never going to get where you want to go. But what I've realized is that I have major need of the lesson of the fact that life is actually, you are always going to be chasing and going after the next thing that you want. But the whole point is that that is actually only suffering if you don't allow the flow of that. You don't allow the fact that, okay, now... Now I'm orienting towards this. Now I'm orienting towards this. It's not like I chose something and then I get stuck there and then you choose something else and then you get stuck there. Or you have to just find perfection in exactly where you are and stop moving at all. So anyway, to get into this a little bit, I'm going to read. So it says, "Um, The root of suffering is the state of perpetual movement from aversion towards attachment. The thing we crave because our acute awareness of the because of our acute awareness of the lack of it, attachment is nothing more than an addiction. That is to say, the desperate wanting of something because of something else you are lacking or trying to avoid. So there is a difference between craving and a desire. Craving is the shadow aspect of desire. So I guess what we're really talking about here is um, how to move away from the shadow aspect of desire. So the shadow of desire stems from a perceived deprivation. Desire is not bad. In fact, you can not escape desire in this lifetime, nor would you want to if you really understood it. You can, however, transmute it. You can exalt it. Desire in its pure form, absent of shadow, is like a yes to an experience. It's the yes that occurs from sorting through contrast, but it's a yes that is not the byproduct of a no. In other words, it is a yes to an experience or a choice of an experience that is not motivated by aversion. Thus, it doesn't take on the form of attachment. 
In this way, desire in its pure form is absent of resistance, making it a tool of the true self. Desire facilitates expansion, self-awareness, and self-realization, whereas craving is a tool of the ego. Here, perhaps the most surprising part, ego is a term that the Buddha did not even know. It is a Freudian term which was adopted into modern Buddhist circles and applied to the teachings of Buddha. It was simply the best word we could come up with to describe the difference between the enlightened perspective of no separate self and the illusionary perspective of the separate self. Later, the famed psychiatrist and psychotherapist Carl Jung called this the shadow aspect, meaning conscious versus non-conscious. But when the Buddha accurately described his enlightenment experience, what he was trying to explain was that he had observed a polarity inherent within himself, a polarity like truth and illusion, conscious and unconscious, suffering and happiness, and that enlightened translated transcended all polarity. Enlightenment is not happiness any more than it is suffering. Enlightenment is liberation from polarity. So using words like enlightenment and liberation and polarity might seem just way almost like ridiculous the idea of reaching for perfection in the case of that but honestly I think it's when you're living a normal healthy mundane existence you can and mundane that's such like a seems like a demeaning world word or something but when you're living a somewhat functional existence there is a certain liberation from polarity there's a certain freedom from freeze and excessive suffering and excessive conceptualization because you're simply following the natural instinct to go towards things and go go towards other things but there's a but there's not such a hard grasp that polarity has on you because when you get stuck in suffering really harshly that's the only way you can develop really um harsh cravings that you you can't have have an intense intense craving unless you have an intense intense suffering or something that you're trying to get away from so the next subheading says the route to feeling better All of our behaviors then, regardless of whether they are seemingly malicious or seemingly benign, have a single root. We want to feel better. The person who shoots up heroin does so because she wants to feel better. The person who gets married does so because he thinks it would make him feel happier. The person who murders another commits that murder because he thinks it will make him feel better. Up to now, all movement within this universe is done to move towards something because you want to move away from something else. We move towards what is wanted because of our desire to move away from something that is unwanted. The biggest issue is that when you live your life moving away from negative towards a positive, you are always in motion. So this is the real trick and the real lesson that I've never learned. So like the dichotomy that I wanted to bring up at the beginning, the fact of how can you be making choices based on what feels better, but at the same time not moving away from what feels worse. That's So if I'm feeling negative emotion, how do I not feel shame, rejection, suppression, denial of those negative emotions, which actually make it much more impossible to go forward because all those things amplify, all those things become less accepted and more rejected in me. So your inner desire to even want to do good things for yourself and go in the directions you want gets more and more diminished the more you reject 
any aspect of yourself. So it's entirely crucial to figure out how to truly have the perspective that you're not pushing away the things that you feel now in order to move in another direction. Because then life is literally equal to the cycle of samsara. It's literally just trauma loop. So back to the reading. It says, you can never stop to smell the roses in the present moment, so to speak. All decisions are made from pain. Exactly. All decisions are made from pain. All desires are the byproduct of trying to move away from pain. And this is the surest way to have a not good life. Like, you want the opposite. You want you want your desires to be moving towards pleasure, not moving away from pain. But it says, but I'm asking you to imagine a life where there's nothing you wish to move away from. A state where your life is lived for joy and total non-resistance to pain. And once again, this sounds um, like someone saying, Joe, just imagine you lived in a state of pure love all the time. That is not at all what I'm saying. of, Because I, I think this sentence is, I'm taking it 100%, like literally as the goal. Asking you to imagine a life where there's nothing you wish to move away from. And once again, move away from, the only thing you'd want to move away from are bad feelings. So the degree to which you have acceptance and the ability to love and embrace bad feelings means that you're not going to have things that you feel like you need to move away from. And I think one of the hardest things about this lesson that I'm realizing is the reason you want to move away from these emotions is they're probably because you, when you have those feelings, I don't know if everyone is the same here, but for me, when you have those feelings, it makes, it triggers you to have a judgment about yourself that you are bad or weak or whatever negative thing, because these emotions are in you. That um, the idea that it's so confusing and horrible to feel like you're a bad person, that you'd rather reject all these feelings as much as you can and try to just damp them out of your life. But if you actually had unconditional love for yourself and you actually realized that the way to make yourself the quote-unquote best or healthiest person is actually to be someone who can love all of their feelings. That is the safest person. That's the least reactive person. Um, That's the person who's the most kind to themselves and able to have the most empathy for others because you're not constantly othering other people. You're not, like, hating yourself and you're not judging other people. So I think we mostly judge other people because we see them as a threat to us because we see them as bad in some way. And if we really take on this job of this feeling in me does not make me bad, the more and more that we can have any feeling and not think that it makes us bad, the more like completely whole we're becoming. So back to the reading, it says, and I put this, I think I wrote this down. It says, in order to end this trail of tears and reach this better point, you must end the perpetual movement away and toward, away and toward. To end the movement from aversion toward craving, which is all attachment really is, we turn in the direction of our aversion. We sit with it completely. We embrace it. We are unconditionally present with it. And we let it know that we are willing to experience it without needing it to change. This is ridiculously hard for some reason because I've spent ages where I'm trying to sit there and feel my feeling. But the truth is, 
that it's almost always from a point. It's like almost, it's so hard to escape that feeling of it's because you want to get away from that feeling because you're perceiving it as limiting you. Instead of the reality of the situation is that thing is real. It's a part of reality that you cannot deny and trying to deny it or slash it away is really literally equivalent to if someone has a problem and they come before you, then instead of seeing and addressing it, you want to just move so you don't see that person or their problem ever again. It doesn't make it go away and it sure doesn't make the world or your experience of life better or their experience. So there's literally no other option than to um, like feel it and not run away from it rather than um, deny it. But these things have such big triggers in them, lots of our feelings, that we just want to, we feel like we can't handle not denying it sometimes. But it says, We are set free because of our willingness to bring the light of the presence of our consciousness into the shadow of the absence of our consciousness. And if this was easy, we'd all be dang healed. And but um the biggest key that I think we all that we when we know we're doing this right, like when is when instead of having the experience of trying to change how we feel for the purpose of getting something else, usually I think approval from other people, you realize that there's nothing, it's not as, there's nothing wrong in this moment, so you don't need to get rid of that thing in order to get something else, so you're no longer running away from yourself. That's the real difference that you can feel in your whole embodiment, like you're not running away anymore because you um, aren't, thinking that if you run far enough away from this bad aspect, then you'll be worthy of something. And so it says here, once we no longer have an aversion to our aversion, it's no longer our master. Desire is transmuted because it's finally free of its shadow. Now this is gorgeous. Like once we no longer have an aversion to our aversion, it's no longer our master. Desire is transmuted because it's finally free of its shadow. Taking this one step further, there is no longer any need for reincarnation either. The craving for reincarnation is gone from our very soul. The soul now makes all its choices free from any motivation caused by aversion or craving, which is a truly liberating place to be. So, one second, I'm going to see if... I think that's all that I'm going to say for now. The whole idea is that um, rising above polarity is so much more human, like so much more um, about fully accepting our humanity than anything spiritual whatsoever that you can conceive about training oneself to be above polarity, like, or understanding the nature of contrast in life or understanding all these things about, um, how you can, how you can complexly think about life. It's all about how much can you not reject anything 
in your feeling existence. And that is probably the greatest skill that I can imagine. Because that's the death. You are not in self-rejection, which is like the central idea of what I think is so important because I have experienced so blatantly clearly in my life that um, self-rejection is the number one enemy of all of, of life, of actually living. Like whenever we get sidetracked about trying to quote-unquote fix ourselves because we're trying to get away from an aspect of ourselves that we can't feel, we're like just going off the tracks of our true self. And it's always going to be painful. And we're going to keep doing things that we're going to think are helping us. But if we look objectively, we're going to be like, that didn't cause no improvement over the time I was doing it. The only thing that really causes improvement is when you feel a greater sense of love within yourself. And uh, and it can be very clearly defined if there's more things that you feel that you can not reject that you feel. That's like a great definition of of self-love and the feeling of lack of safety in the world, which is usually like obviously like a projection of what we're afraid to feel inside of ourselves just will go down and go down and go down and narcissistic traits will go down and go down in ourselves because we're not having to be in constant defense mode and constant fear mode and constant projection mode. So, Carry on, and I hope that made somewhat some sense.